Hi, my name is Julian Chambliss. I'm a professor of English and History at Michigan State University, as well as a core faculty in the Critical Diversities in a Digital Age Initiative. I also serve on the Academics Committee for the Zoya Hurston Festival as one of the national planners for the event. I will be your host for this episode of Every Tongue's Got to Confess. The purpose of the podcast series is to explore issues facing communities of color globally by listening to the voices of attendees at the Zoya Hurston Festival of the Arts and Humanities. Founded by the Association's Preserve Inville Community, the Zora Festival has an educational aim. Since its founding, the festival has celebrated the life and work of Zora Hurston, commemorated the historic significance of Edenville, Florida, and honored the global cultural contributions made by people of African ancestry. Every Tongue Got to Confess is a podcast designed to document the dynamic discussions about education, enterprise, institution, and activism intrinsic to the ideology that founded Eatonville and shaped its most famous daughter. This production is a joint project among the Association to Preserve Eatonville Community, Rollins College's Africa and African American Studies program, and the Department of History at the University of Central Florida. During Communities Conference 2, Civic Conversations continue at Rollins College. Public history graduate student Holly Baker sat down with Dr. Walter Greeson, Dean of the Honor School and Professor of History at Marmara University. In the interview, Dr. Reeson talked about journalist and civil rights leader T. Thomas Fortune, community building, and tapping into the energy of the festival in order to mobilize locally and nationally. Let's listen to their conversation. Could you introduce yourself for our audience? My name is Walter Grayson. I am a Dean of the Honor School and Professor of History at Monmouth University. Wonderful. And what brings you to ZoraFest this year? Oh, I love coming to ZoraFest. This is third or fourth time I've been around for the event. So, yeah, this is one of the best things that happens in the United States every year. So it's a pleasure to be here. And how does ZoraFest uh, align with your passions and interests, would you say? So Zora Neale Hurston was one of my first research topics as an undergraduate. I wrote my second undergraduate thesis about her scholarship and art in contrast to Paul Robeson's work and Adam Clayton Powell's work. And so in a large part, she's the reason why I've gone on to become a scholar. Um, Earlier you were speaking about T. Thomas Fortune. Could you tell me more about him and what you spoke about? So yeah, T. Thomas Fortune was born into slavery and was um, emancipated during the Civil War and then uh, born here in Florida and moved north, initially thinking he was gonna be a lawyer practice in D.C., Virginia, um, decided wasn't for him, uh, dropped out of law school, went on further north and started a newspaper, um, eventually titled The New York Age in uh, New York City, and became the most prominent, the most militant journalist of the late 19th century, really following in the footsteps of Frederick Douglass, and set the table for you know the kinds of conversations Booker T. Washington would engage in the mid 18. 80s through the 1890s, Fortune became the the publisher that you know the black educated leaders in the United States would read to figure out how to talk about the most controversial issues of the day, and um, really set the standard for how the Tuskegee movement grew and kind of a lot of the writing that was done for Booker T. Washington came from T. Thomas Fortune. And uh, for me, he eventually, after he became prominent, settled in Red Bank, New Jersey. And that was the piece I tried to emphasize today, was that his time in Red Bank um, gave him the chance to build, in, in real terms, the community he had dreamed of. A place where, regardless of race, if you were productive, you worked hard, you could build a business, you could have you know, a less segregated community, a place where everyone 
could enjoy the benefits of freedom. And so um, the tragedy, of course, is that uh, by the time you get into the Woodrow Wilson era of the United States, so much of the politics of racism and the rise of the Ku Klux Klan really eroded and ultimately destroyed the kinds of agenda that, that Fortune aspired to. You mentioned that he was from Mariana, Florida. Could yes. you tell me more about that town? Yeah, so Mariana is an old plantation town, one of the most committed sites to slavery in North Florida, although all of them <laughs> surrounding Tallahassee. It's probably hard to distinguish, but um, in particular, uh, we were talking about the, the um, governor, uh, John Dalton, and he was the largest plantation owner in Mariana, um, 18, late 1850s, early 1860s, and he owned um, over 150 slaves and organized troops to protect his plantation during the Civil War and uh, fought ferociously to defend that plantation. And um, when told that they were going to have to surrender and that Florida was going to rejoin the Union, he, he retired to his study and um, put his pistol to his head and killed, killed himself, saying, you know, death before reunion. And I think people underestimate that commitment among folks who believe in white supremacy, that that is the heart of who they are and that anything else is utterly intolerable. And that is, of course, what drove Fortune to leave that place. And I was talking with Dr. Chambliss, I, I didn't even talk about you know how persistent that feeling was. That you have a horrendous lynching in the 1930s that still happens there. And so there are many communities across the United States that have long and dedicated history to white supremacy that we don't really talk about and causes us to underestimate how difficult it is to get people to abandon those ideas. Can you uh, tell me, what do you hope that people take away from ZoraFest this year? There's so much. ZoraFest does so many amazing things. At the largest level, the ability to go and see the vendors at the street festival and be part of kind of the concert in the community, that's tremendous. And the way that it contributes to Eatonville and the desire to kind of preserve a very different history, um, a place where of African-American dignity and pride that Hurston tried to preserve herself through her work, that's the biggest impact. Um, for the Communities Conference, which is this, this piece that brings the scholars into the conversation that makes us accountable to advancing Hurston's work, this year I see that there's more engagement, there's more familiarity with it. And, and I'll say off the top, the commitment of the president of Rollins to stand up and condemn uh, racial intolerance and bigotry to, to open this Communities Conference is, is a profound step. And that kind of leadership to put resources and time and energy from the faculty, from the administration, through all of the students, whether it's here at Rollins or UCF or at Seminole, Central Florida has a chance to really do extraordinary work over the next year to dramatically expand the Zora Festival for next year, for 2019. And it's always a place where I get energized to go back to New Jersey and to continue the work that I do in many communities based on the example that is set here. This particular moment, I'd, I'd say at the start of 2018, is that it's an absolutely crucial moment for us to tap into the energy that Zora Neale Hurston represents, that there is another moment that Sonia Sanchez really lifted the standards for us and her opening this conference tapped into this moment as well. But thousands of artists and entrepreneurs, local leaders who are just waiting for the sense that yes, they can do something that they've only been dreaming about their whole lives. Um, if we can really mobilize at a local level and a state level across the United States, we won't have to suffer through another year like 2017 where people cringe and kind of feel embarrassed or um, scared for what is gonna come the next day. The number of people, the Me Too marches, the women's marches across the country this past weekend, 
that kind of energy is is unprecedented and and people are really engaged to take control of not just their own lives and their own households but their local and state government and i think that will have a profound impact for the rest of my life and hopefully the rest of my children's lives well i thank you for your time and for talking with us today it's a pleasure to be here thank you thanks for listening to every time got to confess podcast Holly Baker and I produced this podcast with support from the UCF Department of History and the African African American Studies Program at Rollins College. Be sure to find the rest of the episodes by searching for us online and subscribing to us on iTunes.